Good afternoon. Thank you once again for joining me. Julian Campbell here. We've got a, another interesting show lined up for you this week. A bit later in the program, we'll be looking at a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips that might help uh, build our business in some way. We're also having a chat with Christine Sikiotis with a minute on innovation. She's down in Sydney again, so hopefully we won't lose her on the uh, monorail. But right now, we're going to have a chat with Heidi Pollard from UK Power about the future of work. Good afternoon, Hi. Heidi. G'day, Julian. Lovely to be here. It's nice for us to, for you to join us, and I notice you're the CEO, which is the Chief Empowerment Officer. Yes, that's right. Not your typical CEO. <laughs> it's, it's up to me to bring out the power in the people. <laughs> so, so, so we're thinking about the future of work. Are there some things being done in startups from a company culture perspective that corporates could uh, steal? Yes, definitely. And I think a lot of the time people are watching what's happening in startups who have really vibrant, active communities and um, cultures. And people think that when they see gimmicks like them having a table tennis table or a pizza oven, that that's what they need to do. And so I've seen big corporates introduce the table tennis table and then wonder why it doesn't get used. Mm. Um, What's happening really well in startups and that larger corporations and anyone's business could really steal from the ideas of is they're really good at creating meaning for people, Um, meaning in that people feel like they can be part of something larger than themselves, part of um, an exciting venture that's doing good as well as doing um, well financially. They allow for a lot more collaboration, so they tend to use more of a structure like a Hollywood model. Um, And what I mean by that is they bring staff in and out as they need them, so they might have a big project and they'll bring people in from all sorts of places and all over the world to help with that project, and then those people might go on to something else. They don't necessarily have permanent, full-time, everyday staff. Um, They also do things like allow for mini projects. So staff often have opportunities to work on passion projects, things that they love, Mm. not necessarily always the day-to-day grind. So there's lots of different things we could be picking up um, from some of those companies. So there's a lot of uh, well-stayed, I suppose you could say, companies that do have toxic cultures. What is one of the simplest things that a leader could do to turn around this toxic culture? Yeah, great point, Julian. And, you know, I actually started UQ Power for exactly that reason because I saw so much toxicity and I'd worked in several company cultures where it it was actually quite detrimental to people's health. Mm. And, you know, obviously no leader sets out to create a company like that. Um, It tends to happen over a long period of time. What I think future leaders need to be really thinking of is becoming more of a hybrid leader. And some of the simplest things that they could do is think about not just having good IQ skills and being talented at the technical side of their role, but starting to build their EQ, their UQ and their BI skills. Just just before you go on, just explain those abbreviations for our listeners. Of course. (laughs) So EQ is emotional intelligence. So that's our ability to relate, communicate and understand other people and their emotions as Mm. well as our own emotions. UQ is their uniqueness quotient. So understanding their own strengths and what makes them really good at what they do and allowing themselves to be supported by others around some of the areas that aren't their strengths. And then BI, lastly, is their body intelligence. So how well they're actually able to tap into understanding their body and their nonverbal communication. And this is probably the simplest, cheapest thing that people can do when they're a leader or anyone in a, a company or wanting to make change. And that is to understand their body and their personal energy. So if you're wanting to turn around a toxic culture and really shift it, you need to think about how do I show up? 
How would someone from a positive culture walk? How would they talk? Um, what often happens is we get in a bit of autopilot. We show up at work every day, mm. same day. So thinking about their nonverbal communication, what signals am I sending? You know, am I folding my arms? You know, am I smiling when I'm walking around? And sometimes it's the simplest things like stopping by people's desks, you know, asking people how they are, how their kids, um, you know, marathon went last week. Um, even little things like attending the funerals of staff, family members and things, people that are important to them. So mm. really starting to think about how do I bring my whole self to work and not just my brain. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we, do, we do see some samples of that. Um, the uh, police commissioner turning up at people's fu- uh, policemen's funerals is a good example of that, I think. Exactly, and I just think it shows that you know they're considering their employees as more than that horrible term, a capital, a human mm. capital or a resource. Or an asset. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> what, what drivers are affecting this world of work now then? So there's so many things going on, but I think some of the biggest changes that are really affecting the future of work are technology. You know, we can't go mm. past technology. We're seeing more things like drones being used in business. So um, not only here in Australia, a lot of rural farmers are using things like drones now to check on their stock and to look at their fences and all those sorts of things where it used to take them days to drive around their property. They can do that simply with a drone with a video installed. Mm. Um, We're even seeing pizzas getting delivered in the US by drones. (laughs) Mm. Uh, We're seeing technology of things like driverless cars. So self-driven cars um, are very, very close to being a reality. Um, Globalisation. So obviously we're all connected all the time and the internet, um, who would have thought, you know, how much that would actually change our lives. Even, you know, the fact that we're all walking around with a computer in our hands with our smartphones. Um, I always say, you know, there was a, a, you know, before Christ, there was after Christ and then there was after the iPhone was invented because really the world has been totally turned around from those sorts of things. So managing staff, um, thinking about people doesn't mean that you necessarily are drawing from just your local university in your local area anymore. It means you can actually be looking at talent from around the world. And lastly, a big thing affecting, I think, the world of work is the change in asset base of companies. Um, So when you see the world's most successful companies now are your Ubers, are your Airbnbs and your Alibabas, when you think about it, none of those own cars, buildings, um, hotels. They actually have just become kind of the central point for people to be able to book in and connect with other people. So the way we work is really shifting and changing and we're not going to see the world that we were familiar with, you know, in the industrial age, that's really on its way out. So with this big change then, are we seeing the death of the nine-to-five job? Yeah. Um, I don't think it's going to happen overnight, but it is starting to radically shift. And for many people today, I think the world, uh, you know, going to work is not just about being successful and making money or climbing a ladder. It's about working somewhere that aligns with your values. It's feeling like we're in a social environment that fits with who we are. And it's thinking about, does this business make a positive impact on the world? So a lot more people are starting to leave corporate jobs to search for that greater meaning. So we're seeing a lot more entrepreneurs, um, you know, starting up their own businesses. And there's even companies like, I think there's one in the UK called Escape the City that helps people do something different and find more purpose-oriented work. So I really think in order to attract and retain employees, the nine-to-five is going to start to shift. People want to blend work with family and with living, and 
I recently had the opportunity to spend some time with Richard Branson and he said there's no work and no play, it's just all living. Mm. And I think people and work, um, you know, uh, workplaces need to start thinking about their employees and, and the time that they spend working in that way. Mm. Great. Well, thanks very much for your time, Heidi. That's uh, some very useful things to look at the future. And I know that uh, you've got more on your website at uh, uqpower.com.au. Yeah, certainly. Thanks, Gillian. Have a great afternoon. Okay, you too. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Heidi Pollard there from UK Power. Sorry, UQ Power. Power. UQ. Um, yes, yeah, some very interesting things. Where are we going with the world? And we're certainly going to see lots and lots of changes. And we're, you're listening to Business, the Law and You on 2NURFM 103.7. 103.7. Time to pop over to Christina Sikiotis, who's in Sydney again. Good afternoon, Christina. Good afternoon, Julian. Yes, I'm in Sydney again. Is that not? That's not where you want to go, is it? Go where you want to oh, go. <laughs> I, well, I, you know what? I really love being here. I, it's the journey down that's dreadful. But anyway, that's that's a story for another day. I'm actually at the Growth Summit um, Conference for 2016. Heard some fantastic speakers already, and more in store this afternoon. So, one of the things that came out was uh, the importance of focusing on what you're good at. Yes, yeah, so wonderful um, presenter from Harvard Business School, Frances Frey, uh, who has made, a, made it her, her study, I guess, um, striving for excellence. And she believes that we can be excellent at anything that we choose to be excellent at, uh, but what we need to do is understand the difference between being excellent um, and then in the process of being excellent at something, we actually have to be bad at being great. And what she means by that, and that this is a, a constant... Um, phrase that she kept saying, we have to be bad at being great, meaning that we can't be good at everything if we want to achieve excellence in something. Mm. So her, one of her examples was she, she mentioned Steve Jobs, um, and she said that he actually knew what excellence was, as, as we know. When he started, what they set out to do was make the lightest computer in the world. So he had the best designers working to make the lightest computers. But in order to make the lightest computer, they had to... They had to um, potentially trade off some of the physical features. So the physical features and the weight of the computer were traded off with each other. The other the other thing she the other example she gave was Southwest Airlines. Um, customers love them, employers love them, which is something, you know, saying something in a in the world of airlines because most people have nothing mm. but complaints about, you know, the carriers and the and the people that work there. Um, but she said what they've done is that they want to be the best at low prices and friendly employees. And they, they, their worst attribute are um, all the frills. Mm. And so maybe it's not all the value adds that we that we think about. You know, in, in traditional marketing, everybody was going, oh, well, how can we value add? What can we add? What can make it sound better? She actually says, move what you're good at to a higher level of, of you know, make that better. Achieve mm. excellence in what you're good at and don't worry so much about the things that you're not good at. So we spend a lot of time trying to improve things that we believe we're not good at Forget that. Go to the top and make what you're doing at the top of your purpose, the top of, of your organisation, even better. So forget forget the no frills. Um, sorry, not forget the no frills, but don't worry about the fact that you've got no frills. Work at the fact that people want the lower prices and they want the friendly employees in the case of the airline. Um, she says leadership, as we know, and we talk about a lot, Julian, is so important to this yeah. because if you get a complaint about the no frills, you don't go into a panic about the no frills. You go, well, that's fine because we're not aiming for we're that's not aiming to be good in that arena. We're aiming at these, you know, these are our markers. 
And therefore, if we're succeeding at that, that's fantastic. If they're complaining about no frills, that's okay. You send them to someone that has the frills. That's right, yeah. So yeah. instead of fixing what you aren't good at, yeah. excel even further at what you are good at, which I think is a really good way to look at it. And she said, if you can't do that, what you need to do is put, put what you do into the minds of your consumer. And she gave another really good example. Before bottled water, everyone was quite happy drinking tap water. But the bottled water people came in and went, well, you can't drink that because it's got this in it and that in it and that's not good for you and, you know, goodness knows where it's been. But this bottled water, this is fantastic. You know, we've got got all the right things in it. It's clean. It's come from a good source. It's bottled. You know, 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 it's a a good product. and even even though now we're looking at all this landfill and everything else that's come out of it, she said this was a product that was actually put into the minds of the cons- of the consumer Consumer. and turned them around that way. So so is the uh, iPhone too? <laughs> yes, yes. You know, smartphones. Who, who thought that we would have needed a smartphone, and now we can't do without them? Exactly. Exactly. I suppose we could take that uh, same principle, though, to ourselves as personal and look at our own strengths and, and work on those and, and not worry about some of our weaknesses. That's right. And, you know, the other, the other thing, um, getting back to the leadership aspect as well, is that's what a good leader does. A good leader will let their team excel at the things that they're good at and they will let them work at the things they're good at and fill the gaps with other people, oh. other methods, yeah. at things their team's not good at, rather than ask their team, to do everything. may not be good. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same principle when you're looking at the people that work for us as well. Um, there was an interesting comment made that, that your new employees in the first three months that they work for you come to you with corporate scepticism and that's when they're of the most value to you because that's where you go, okay, look at us with fresh eyes and tell us what it is um, that we're doing right and let's do those things better and tell us what it is that we're not doing right or that you're sceptical about because we either work on them or we let them go. Yeah. Um, because after that, we fall into corporate patriotism, if you like. We, you know, we take on the mantra of the company and, and you know, we become that loyal person that works within the company. Yeah, great. Well, you go back and enjoy your conference and we can chat more about it next week. We shall because I didn't even get to Salimi's mail and the things from Singularity University. So we'll, we might put that on the agenda for next week. Okay. All right. Well, All actually, right. actually uh, I, I haven't got another guest to it. We might have a longer period next week. Okay. We can do that. I've got plenty to tell you about. Let me. Okay. I have plenty to tell you about. Have okay. a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Christine Sikiatis there, enjoying, enjoying the conference and uh, coming up with some good little facts there and it's always good to look at the future, isn't it? Well, we're coming up to 28 minutes to two. Got time for a couple of our Harvard Business Review tips. This one's an interesting one. It's uh, hold people accountable for their work. We all, want work in an envi- we all want to work in an environment where people deliver on their commitments. So what can managers do to foster accountability with employees? The first step is to be crystal clear about what you expect, the outcomes you're looking for, how you'll measure success, and how people should go about achieving an objective. Be sure that the person you're holding accountable actually has the skills and resources they'll need. If they don't, you're just setting them up for failure. Then agree on weekly milestones with clear, measurable objective targets. If any of these targets slip, jump on the issue right away brainstorm a solution, identify a fix, redesign the schedule or respond in some other way that gets the person back on track. Give feedback weekly and remember that it's more important to be helpful than nice. So some interesting points there and really fits in with SMART goals, doesn't it? Specific, measurable, 
achievable, realistic and time-framed. Well, looking back at ourselves now, become a better learner. Staying within your comfort zone is a good way to prepare for today, but a terrible way to prepare for tomorrow. To sustain success, you must develop the capacity for rapid, continuous learning. Enlisting a coach can be an invaluable way to do it. But if you don't have a coach, ask for some colleagues for feedback on how you performed on a recent task. Don't get defensive when you hear their answers. Remind yourself that you're trying to learn new things. Then make time for reflection. Get into the habit of asking yourself questions like, What have I learned from this experience? And, What turned out differently than I expected? Leaders who demonstrate and encourage reflection both learn more than about themselves and lay foundations for higher levels of learning agility in their teams and organisations. And of course, as we've talked about on the program, the future is coming upon us so fast these days that we do need to keep that learning going, don't we? Well, thank you for being with me for the last half hour. I hope you've enjoyed the program. We've looked at some of the future of work there and uh, some good ideas on leadership. If you're interested in uh, developing a website, by the way, the uh, um, Hunter Region Business Enterprise Centre has a free workshop on Tuesday evening from 5 to 8 building a website you can go to their website switchedonhunter.com.au to find out more about that in a moment Jane Klein will be back with you with more of your easy listening favourites next week we'll have our discussion on innovation with Christina Sikiotis and some more business and legal news and views that might affect your business I'd love your company again for business, the law and you at the same time next week. Until then, have an exciting and prosperous week. And as Albert Einstein once said, bureaucracy is the death of all sound work.